Welcome to the ACO Show, a podcast about the American healthcare system and people who are trying to make it better. I'm Josh Israel, along with my co-host, Brian Chiglinski. Hi, Brian. What's on our show today? Hey, Josh. So this one is actually a really interesting one. I think most of our episodes, we go into knowing pretty clearly what the conversation is going to be and where it's going to lead. But this one, we actually, it follows on from an episode we had in February with Halliday's chief financial officer, John Doyle. And he came to us afterwards and was like, there's this idea that's been percolating in my head and it's been nagging at me. And I'm not really quite sure how best to articulate it. And so we were like, why don't you come on a podcast and talk about it and work it out there? So it was really great. His basic idea is that in a service-oriented mindset and profession like delivering healthcare on the front lines with primary care, it can be really hard to talk about the business of it and the the prices and economics behind it and the, the forces financially that are driving the incentives. Yeah, I like the conversation. It was really about how to talk about something that is not normally talked about. And I particularly like where we got to at the end when we arrived at why it's important to talk about it. You know, there are many things that aren't talked about and we're probably not going to change that and maybe we shouldn't even change all of them. But why this is different is that this is part of every person's life. This is a trillion dollar part of the economy and there's a lot of money behind it. And we should figure out not just how to make healthcare better, but how to talk about money's role in that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And especially how the people who are doing the work need to be able to talk about how that gets done. Yep. Well, glad to be with you, Brian. And let's take a listen. We are delighted to be joined once again by John Doyle, Allidade's Chief Financial Officer. Welcome back to the show, John. Thanks, Josh. Good to be with you. John, as Allidade's Chief Financial Officer, you know better than anyone that one of our main levers of change is to try to align the best financial reward with what is best for the patient so that better health is what is rewarded. So we get a nice perpetual motion machine going where doctors and insurance companies make more money because the patients are in better health. That's the sort of key to our business model. But physicians are often folks who have gone into their profession because it was a calling. Certainly nice to make a good living, but there are other ways to make a good living. And these are people who are often answering a vocation. And so how do we talk about incentives and money in medicine, given those issues? Thanks, Josh. An important question. And I and where it starts for me is certainly I agree in my experience, including the physicians in my own family, mostly go into medicine for reasons that don't have a lot to do with money. And yet many physicians decide to practice independently as one example. And when they do that, they are running a business. And any business that I've been a part of has to focus on how it makes money. At the end of the day, that's what sustains the enterprise. And when we can't have or we don't have a routinely open, direct, clear conversations about money, we inevitably sub-optimize the aspects of our work that are important to make money and sustain the enterprise. So what is the solve is the underlying question there. And I, I don't know that there's a magic bullet, except that those of us who participate, certainly in the value-based care ecosystem, where alignment of incentives is so fundamental, I think there's a need to speak openly and frequently about these issues and about the importance of physicians when we put them in a capitalistic you know, healthcare system to be able to be true to that part of, of what they're doing. Yeah, I think Farzad likes to talk about the story of the two fish swimming in a pond and a frog jumps in and says, how's the water boys? And he does a better voice of this than I do. But the fish basically look at each other and go, what is water? (laughs) 
And it's that idea of when you're in a system and you're surrounded by the incentives of it, it becomes hard to talk about it. And I think you bring up a very specific point, which it's not even that it's become invisible, it's that it's become taboo to even address it, to even realize it, especially for the community focused providers and healthcare practitioners that we work with across the country on a regular basis. I guess one of the questions that I'm I'm wrestling with is like, what are some of the unique contributors to this? Obviously, it's a service mindset. It's a lot of folks who are going into communities that are suffering and, you know, have, have gone through challenges of their own economically. And just having a conversation about increasing the bottom line and profit are tough to, to bring up. But are there other things that you see that are some of the upstream challenges that are contributing to why it's harder for these healthcare professionals to, to talk about the profit motive, to talk about increasing revenue and bringing more resources into the communities they serve? One is certainly the political context that healthcare operates in. I think that the large constituencies, whether they're provider groups or pharmaceutical companies or health plans, use the profit motive as a bit of a club against each other. I think the rhetoric it being intended to kind of undermine the credibility of any subsequent comments that are made by the opposition in the discussion. Setting that aside for a moment, though, because that's an awfully big problem to solve, I think it was at the personal human level, and you touched on this, just this fundamental discomfort about the combination of the profit motive and healthcare. There's something about healthcare that feels sacred to most of us. And to force anyone who makes their livelihood taking care of others, discuss profits in that context raises an inner conflict, puts somebody in a bind at once between this calling, this vocation, as Josh said, and the practicalities of being successful enough to sustain a business that is the source of care for lots of people and often the linchpin in their care. So the business discussions are absolutely essential. But I think whether you're talking about political considerations or individual moral considerations, we're, we're in a real bind having those conversations. Heard you talk in the past, John, about physicians don't want to feel like they are coin operated. You know, probably nobody does, but particularly so if you're taking care of sick people and you're working nights and weekends and you're dealing with people you've known for 20 years and cared for their families, you don't want to feel like the insurance company is treating you like somebody who will do something for a few extra dollars. And yet we do have these systems like the STARS system in Medicare Advantage. It's a specific reward program where if physicians close what we call close quality gaps, so make sure their patients get a number of mammograms or get a number of colonoscopies, they get a certain number of dollars essentially for each one they do. And yet we find at Allidate that that alone does not motivate the physicians. They do seem to respond better by and large when we talk about getting them a mammogram more than getting them $20 to do a mammogram. I mean, has that been your experience? It has been my experience as well. It's an example in my mind of what we're talking about here. Even, even the phrase coin operated, which I think is used in this realm quite a bit in relation often to providers, is a clearly pejorative term intended to kind of conjure a sense of like a mercenary provider whose ultimate interests really aren't well aligned with those of the patient. And let's look at that for just a minute. Who among us, if the definition is doing things for money, who among us is not coin operated? I think it's first and foremost important to get behind the rhetoric a bit there and understand that there's just a reality we're referring to, and we can color it with terms like that, but it's more productive, I believe, to just speak about that reality openly, if that makes sense. 
I'm wondering if there's, I know, obviously you've been with Allidade for quite a while now and been in the healthcare financing space for much longer and as a leader of a company yourself. Are there specific conversations or stories in which you've seen this real real issue come one, up? Let's jump down. One very recently, sorry to interject, but that yeah. it was a really perfect example of what we're talking about. So I was traveling in Washington with some colleagues and had the opportunity to visit a number of practices. I visited one in particular in Washington state that said they couldn't deal with the volume of local folks wanting to get care, particularly Medicare. When I asked what they meant by that, how many patients would they need to see? And they said it's a functionally infinite number, that there's no there's no way they could deal with all of the volume. They couldn't imagine any scenario where they might. And I asked, you know, what, what are some of the steps that you've taken? And they mentioned that there was so much demand at one point, they put in a membership fee for folks to use the practice. And the membership fee, I'm going to get the number not exactly right, but I'm within $10 or $20, $75 a year is the membership fee. And that did really very little to nothing to deal with the volume that they were getting. And I asked in the meeting whether they had considered increasing the amount of that membership fee. And they were, they were aghast and looked at me, as you might imagine they would, because that would mean that many of the disadvantaged folks in the community who they take a lot of pride in serving wouldn't be able to continue with the practice. Well, actually, if you think about this a bit more from a purely business point of view, when you have that kind of imbalance between demand and supply, the only solution on some level is price. And I don't mean that you raise the price until you price so many people out of care that you can manage the volume. What I do mean is you price to a point where the revenues you're generating from the membership fees enable you to make investments that support the care of people who can't pay the membership fee. You're essentially subsidizing one group of patients with fees from another group. And that kind of dynamic happens in businesses all the time between, you know, the cost of one product and another can yield very different margins. And so that's a case where the deep sense that there's something very wrong about charging more in a situation where there's so much demand is one of the outcomes, I think, of a situation where instead of having an earnest discussion, you get the look that I got that shuts off kind of all discussion. We've been talking mostly about payments to physicians from insurance companies and the challenges of speaking about that. I wonder what your thoughts are about talking about money in relation to a company like Allidade and our partner physicians. I think at Allidade, we understand that sort of turn the the massive battleship of fee-for-service care to value-based care takes a lot of infrastructure, takes data, takes policy folks, takes people in the field, teaching workflows. It is not not a simple thing. But we had a fundraising round not too long ago. We will possibly someday be a publicly traded company. How do we talk to the physicians that partner with us around Allidade as a company? Well, certainly Allidade's business must grow to succeed and continue to serve our partners. So there's a sense in which we can be clearer about the business objectives of Allidade than a practice can be about the, or that a practice often is about the economic motivations there. And one of the issues that comes up with practices, and it's understandable, is a suspicion that Allidade is in it, quote, just for the money and that we ultimately won't behave in ways that are well aligned with the interests of our provider 
partners. This is one of the reasons that Allidade became a public benefit corporation some number of months ago, and Farzad has spoken extensively on this. And it was, it was very much about demonstrating to our physician partners that we will consider the interests of physicians and patients alongside the economic interests of shareholders. And we will make it a requirement in the governance structure at Allidade that we do so. And so that has been a platform to broaden this conversation some, but also an interesting example that talking about money is so uncomfortable that there are these mechanisms like a public benefit corporation that are meant to reassure folks that, in fact, we share their broader concerns. So what's the future? What's our path out of this you know, terrible juxtaposition and paradox that we put primary care professionals in every day where they are really pressured by the incentives of a profit motive in the current fee-for-service system that's crushing them, a lot of them financially, but at the same time, they're not able to talk about it. It's taboo to even bring it up in some contexts. Is it just reaching a system that has better incentive alignment so that they can trust and patients can trust that the doctors and the payers and policymakers are all heading towards the same goal? Or is there is there some other way that we can help kind of resolve this over the long term that you see? Often in public dialogue, even private dialogue, what's acceptable to speak about depends on what the folks at the margin are talking about. And so while I don't see a silver bullet here, part of the reason that I think this conversation and conversations like it could be helpful ultimately is that if those of us who are not squarely in the position of an independent practitioner trying to make a business go, the groups we've been talking about, have these conversations more openly and talk about the realities of surviving in medicine, the importance of, frankly, making a profit and the ways in which profit making can be aligned or not with the interests of patients and practices, I think we create some measure of additional space for physicians to have these conversations, at least with us, they may sometimes wonder in a conversation with us what would be okay to talk about along these lines, like how much of their business challenges and priorities, financial challenges and priorities, do they really put on the table with a partner like Allidade in a search for answers and assistance? I think if we're setting the example of open unconstrained dialogue and exploration of these topics, then, then at least in the relationships with us, there could be a more liberated and hopefully productive conversation. Beyond that, Brian, I, I don't know. It's a really tough cultural problem. I do like, Brian, though, what you're sort of alluding to, that if we align things better, there could just naturally be more trust and comfort. You know, if, if patients don't have to worry that their doctor is recommending something because they'll make money on it. And Allidade, the same thing, that the doctors can know that we're recommending something only when it's good for them as well. So they that if everybody has the alignment, understands the alignment, it could be a positive. So John, we understand that there are taboos about talking in money and medicine as there are taboos about talking in money in lots of aspects of life. Is there something unique about this, both in where it comes from and in the consequences of it? Such an important question. And I honestly don't think there's much difference in where it comes from. As we've talked about, I think there are cultural dynamics around talking about money in relation to all kinds of activities that we undertake in our lives that just are kind of taboo and we get uncomfortable with. From my point of view, the difference is in the consequences of the lack of dialogue. And when we're talking about the healthcare of all of us, really, and the people we care most about, and we're talking about one-fifth of the American economy and trillions of dollars, 
it seems that getting to an honest, open dialogue that leads to higher quality solutions has real implications for the health and well-being of so many of us that in this domain, maybe more so than others, it seems very worthwhile to have the conversation and to at least try to move the needle. Well, John Doyle, Allidade's Chief Financial Officer, thank you so much for taking the time to tackle some of the taboos head on and have some open and honest conversations with us here on the ACO Show. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you, Josh. I really appreciate the conversation today. The ACO Show now has a mailbag. Submit your questions, compliments, or episode ideas to acoshow at allidade.com. This show was produced by Leanne Horst. Alana Coogan, Rebecca Raymond, Stuart Taylor, and of course, our wonderful hosts. Check out more of our show wherever you get your podcast. Once again, our mailbag is ACOSHOW at Alladay.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>